Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Good morning, church. Good morning. You may be seated. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's good to have each and every one of you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Say amen. 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 Church, we are drawing near the end of our sermon series, Threads. And where for the past weeks, and you'll see on the screen, I want to get the next slide. For the past week, we have been reminded to be intentional about weaving the threads of the gospel into the fabric of our everyday conversations. And so my hope and prayer that these threads that you see in front of you have encouraged you in your thinking Encourage you in your speaking and the way you live your life. That you are literally talking about uh, the gospel, especially to those individuals, people around you who don't know Christ. And so today, as you look at the, the list up there of the gospel threads, we come to the letter E. And the E stands for the eternal urgency. So can I have you all say after three to say eternal urgency. One, two, three. Eternal urgency. Come on, say it with passion and boldness. What is it? Eternal urgency. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for each one who's here this morning. I pray that you'll continue to open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to what you have to share with us as we look at the thread of eternal urgency. We thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Church, at the age of 11, my parents made a choice to move the whole family, and there were six of us immediately in our family, and there was, I have a half-sister who was about 18 then and who came along with us. So there was about seven of us who moved to Hawaii from the Philippines. And that choice, the choice that my parents made, made an impact in all of us, in all of us, and certainly in my life. And I remember just coming to Hawaii, and I remember being frustrated, being mad at my parents for what choice they made, the decision to move to Hawaii. I didn't like that. It was not fun at all. But looking back, I thank them for the choice that they made, not just for the family, but for me. Sounds very selfish, isn't it? But I thank God for that choice that they made. But in my life, I have also made many choices, many choices in my life. The question of what college to go to. After high school, I, I, I had choices, either to stay in Hawaii or go to the mainland. What did I do? I chose to stay in Hawaii and go to UH Manoa. Other questions, what do I want to do with my life? Well, There was one to where I really wanted to be a teacher. That's where I went to UH Manoa. And I want to be a teacher, an elementary school teacher, working with three to four year old, three to four grader, fourth graders. My passion. But also there was a calling of being an officer of the Salvation Army. And here I am. I chose to be an officer of the Salvation Army. That took me away from Hawaii. 
but certainly brought me back here for the past 12 years. Choices, choices. We make many choices daily in our lives. We choose to what we will eat, and that's hard sometimes. Where do you want to eat tonight? I don't know. Choices, choices of what to do for the rest of the day, what, what kind of shows to watch, many, many channels on TV, and when to go to bed. Our lives seem to be nothing but choices. For most of these choices, we put little thought into them. But church, there is one choice, one choice that everyone must make. It is a choice that will affect our lives forever, even after death. There is one choice that everyone must make during their life that will affect them. And that is, church, we are talking about eternity. Eternity, our eternal destiny. Your eternal destiny. And the question that we want to answer this morning is this. Why is the gospel important? And what does it have to do with our destiny and our eternity? Why should we as a follower of Christ risk embarrassment or fear or whatever to intentionally even boldly share the gospel? Our eternity, your eternity, hinges on our personal response to Jesus. This is the biblical truth this morning that I want us to consider. Knowing this gospel thread, our eternal destiny, our eternal destination hinges on our response to Jesus. Now, I know that's a huge statement. I want to say to every single person here today that your eternal destiny hinges on your response to Jesus. And we are talking about destiny, destination. We're talking about the place where you and I will spend eternity Eternity is forever, millions and millions, billions and billions of years without end. Your eternal destiny, this morning church, hinges on your response to Jesus. And if if this is true, then there is nothing, nothing more important than this in our lives and in the lives around us. We must realize that you and me and every person we know and live with and live around and work with friends and family and people in this community, in your community, and the people around the world, all of our eternal destinies hinge on how we respond to Jesus. There is nothing, nothing more important than this. Every person either actively, listen to this church, turning away, turning from Jesus, turning away from Jesus, which leads to eternal death in hell. Or it could be trusting in Jesus, which leads to eternal life in heaven. It is an epic, monumental reality that we all face. 
You see, on this morning, as we dig deep into these two eternal destinations, heaven and hell, I know it's not a coincidence. It is a divine appointment that you came this morning to church. And not knowing, of course, we're going to talk about God, not knowing that you're going to come and hear about heaven and hell. And you're going to hear it today, church. We're going to hear, I'm going to speak about it, truths that is neither popular or politically correct in our day. It's not. But the question is this, and we're going to look at the Bible and the scripture, and the question is, is it true? Is hell real? Is it? And the Bible certainly says it. It is in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8. And I want you to, 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 to read before that. But I just want to straightforward say what the scripture says. And it says here, In flaming fire, bringing judgment to those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hell is a dreadful reality for those who turn from, who turn away from Jesus. We first need to understand that Jesus himself taught about hell. And that we talked about hell a lot in scriptures. I just want to mention a few of them. Matthew 10, 28, he he says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And in Mark 9, 43, he says, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with one hand than go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. Church, let's get into what hell is. What is it? Number one. I want to tell you that hell is a place of continual rebellion against God. Rebellion against God. We have learned that that our God is holy. And we have realized that we ourselves have rebelled against him. And as a result, we are separated from God. And so when we picture hell, don't just picture the scene of fire that we always do. I want you to picture hell as a natural outcome of our rebellion, our rebellion against God and our separation from God. Romans 3, 12 tells us what? Not some. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Church, we have all turned aside from God to ourselves ourselves. And I think when we do that, we say to ourselves, wow, I'm on my own. I've got me, me, myself, and I. And that means that I have the freedom that I want. But the reality is freedom does not exist when we're on ourselves because you see, we become slaves. We become slaves to the things that we want and we enjoy. Think of someone who, uh, think of um, an alcoholic. What are they slave to? There's no freedom in there. Slave to alcohol. If you're a drug addict, what are you slave to? Drugs. And I'm saying there's so much more than that that I've mentioned. Think of all your habits that have, have slaved you. And church, that's what it means when we turn aside from God to ourselves. Well, you may ask, why doesn't God save everybody then? 
And some people, some people, even some who call themselves Christians or followers, believe that in the end, God will save everybody. But once we realize the nature of man's rebellion, our rebellious, the nature of man turning aside away to God, away from God to himself, then we, we need to realize that there's a time. There must come a time and a point when we turn aside from ourselves to God. But church, this is a choice. This is a choice that only we, you and I, can make. Even in his sovereignty, God will not eliminate human responsibility. Our responsibility for the choices that we make. Because you see, hell is God leaving man alone in his self-chosen rebellion against God. It only makes sense then that number two, what is hell? It is a place of final separation. The word final. We are separated from God in our sin. Romans 3.23 tells us, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So the Bible teaches us that hell is the finalization, the culmination, the result of that separation. Hell is going to be a place where people are forever separated from the presence of God. They will be punished. Second Thessalonians says, they will be punished with eternal destruction forever, separated from the Lord and from his glorious power church this may be the worst torment of them all eternal separation have you ever been separated from a loved one at times that's rough isn't it but this we're talking about eternal forever from god hell won't be a place where a person will go hang out with their buddies and having a good old time Rather, it is a place where when a person's only companion will be the memory of rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the torment of a person in hell remembering forever every chance they had to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they didn't? The Bible teaches that even though we live in this sinful, fallen world, there is much common grace from God. Can I hear an amen? There's a common grace from God for all of us. Because you see, Jesus teaches us that the sun rises over the evil and the good. And that God sends rain for, for both the just and the unjust. And God blesses this sinful world with his goodness on one moment-by-moment moment basis. Yet, for those who turn away from him and die in separation from God, all such blessing is removed. All such blessing. Therefore, this leads me to the third thing of what hell is. Hell is a place of eternal duration. The eternal time. Second Thessalonians, there's a word there that says eternal, everlasting. And his teaching, Mark tells us, and I want you to picture this. Jesus says that, it teaches that hell is a place where worm, a worm doesn't die and the fire is never quenched. Isn't that something? Scripture tells us that and Matthew tells us this about what Jesus said 
in 41. Then the king turned to, unto the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. And verse 46, he says, And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go to eternal life. Wow. And Revelation tells us what hell is, that the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever, and there is no rest day and night. Eternal duration. Think of it this way, church. In a, in a murder case, a person is, is placed in a jail for the rest of his or her life, of the duration of, or a duration of his lifetime or her, her lifetime. Since... Our human mortal existence extends for the duration of a human lifetime, then the prison sentence is for that entire lifetime, right? They'll be sentenced there forever. But in a case of our crime against God, our spiritual eternal being, a person is placed in hell for the duration of spiritual existence. And what is our spiritual existence? It lasts forever. The present then is for the duration of our soul, which our soul never dies. Then they are placed in hell that lasts forever. Eternal duration. And you're saying, surely that is not just. You're hearing all of this and you're like, that is not fair. Punishment forever? Well, is that right? Is that just? Well, we just learned that God is a just judge, isn't he? But his reasons for an eternal duration are fair. It's, it's the human nature and the nature of God that justifies the eternality of hell. That may not satisfy our emotions. We are not going to like it. But it satisfies God's justice. And that's the bad news. But the good news is this, church, that God is not only a just God, but he's also what? He's loving He's a loving God, and he doesn't want any one of us, anyone in the world, to eternally be banished from his presence. He wants each one to be eternally be present on his side. So church, the teaching of Jesus is clear. Hell is a dreadful place. Etern eternal reality for those who turn away from God, from Jesus. But praise God. Can you say praise God? Yeah. Oh, come on. You want to pray? say praise God. Yeah. But praise God that there is, this is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. The good news, the gospel, heaven is a glorious reality for those who trust in Jesus. Can I hear an Amen. For all who turn from their sins and themselves and trust in Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. And we need to declare Philippians 3.20 that it says, But we are what? Citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and that we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Lord, as our Savior. Church heaven is not of continual rebellion. But number one, a place of full reconciliation. The central theme of the Bible is that when it's, it's pictures of heaven, it is a place where we are reconciled fully to God. Fully to God. And picture heaven saying this in Revelation, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, 
God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. The picture of Adam and Eve in Genesis is going to be restored in Revelation 22. Look it up. A glorious imagery of what heaven is going to be. We will be like priests living in the temple. We will be a bride joined together with her husband, children united with father, heirs of the king enjoying the blessing, the inheritance that is for us. Like participants in a banquet. Think of the banquets of all banquets. That's what heaven is like full of reconciliation. And secondly, heaven is a place of complete restoration. In every way. It makes sense, doesn't it? Spirituality, we will be complete, free from sin. The Bible says that we will literally be robed with righteousness and and no longer touched by even temptation. Whatever temptation it may be, But even more, church, it is a perfect place because it is a land, a place of no mores. No mores. It is, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, nor sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. Revelation. And if nothing else, this should inspire us. It should inspire us to want heaven for all eternity. I like what it says in Revelation 7, 16. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. I love it. I will never gain weight. I will never get hungry and thirsty and be dehydrated because you know what? We have everything there. And guess what? No more 100 degree temperatures. No more heat. But church, there's one more, no more that outdoes them all, is this. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. In heaven, church, the curse of sin is gone for good. Yes, you can clap for that. The curse that separated us from God will be forever abolished. So heaven is a place of full reconciliation, complete restoration, and thirdly, heaven is a place of ultimate reunion. Reunion. This is a reunion that you don't want to miss. I know many of you goes to family reunions that some of you dread going to because you're going to meet the aunties, the uncles that you may not want to be around with. But here, this is a reunion that says our citizenship together is there. And heaven is where Revelation says a great multitude of that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb, in front of Christ. Heaven is a place where we shall enjoy and dwell with God the Father, Jesus, the Emmanuel, God with us, the Holy Spirit, the guide, the comforter. Exciting, isn't it? Not only we get to be reunited with our maker, 
There is a big bonus, church. I, I see it as that cherry on top of banana split. Think of it. We get to see our loved ones, our friends, our families who have turned to Jesus and have trusted in Jesus. What a reunion it will be. I think reunions are wonderful and amazing. So let's get excited of what heaven is. So for us, the gospel leaves every man and woman and youth in this room a choice. Will you turn away from Jesus or will you trust in Jesus? The word or in that sentence and that phrase is the key, is the key. And church, it is, it is a choice that we all have nowhere more clearly stated in John 3, 16. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, that's a choice, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Two options for every one of us in this room and all around the world in our community. There is no middle ground, no middle ground here. The eternal life and death hang in the balance with this question. Choices, what will you choose this morning? And I claim and I pray that you will claim Galatians 2.20. And I want us all to read this, this scripture. As we, claim, as, as we claim and profess to be a follower of Christ. So shall we all read it together? Here we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. May that be the testimony of your life this morning, church. Thank you for hanging with me because I want to get into how do we weave this. And I want to quickly go because we really need to get into how do I take this this week? How do I weave it into the, the fabric of my interactions and conversations? The whole sense of eternal urgency. I have four, four simple applications that I want to, practical ones that I want us to get into. One is this church. We need to minimize our conversations about temporal things. We are so overwhelmed with, with the temporary, aren't we? And if you listen to much of your conversations and our conversations, they're all about temporary. We spend most of our time talking about things that don't matter. Don't think of, we think of all the topics that dominate our conversations that are temporary. Think of weather, food, sports, and see the enemy, and there's so much more. And the enemy's strategy is to blind minds in our culture to what really matters forever. And so I'm not saying to you that those are, that are wrong. I'm not saying. But to mention those things, just do it minimal. Talk less of them. And so this is the next application that we need to maximize the conversations about eternal things eternal things talk more about what matters go below the surface go deep and sometimes we don't want to go deep because it's too much it hurts to think and to go deep but we need to go deep talk that is the way that's what the point of this whole series is how can we take everyday interactions, conversations about things in this world and points it to eternal realities beyond 
this world that we live in. Just spend some time this week reflecting on your conversations and your interactions. Maybe you're driving in the freeway and you're stuck in traffic. What would that look like? What do you normally do? I don't want to know. You're probably yelling at the person, yelling at yourself. Maybe take a moment. What's eternal about it? You know you're going to get there. You may take a while. Turn on the radio. Listen to Christian music. Think of what God is teaching you. Maybe patience. He's teaching you. How about when you lie down in bed at night? Think, what did I say today that will matter forever? Ooh, that can be rough. But as you reflect, resolve to be the man, the woman, or the youth that talks about things that matter. Things that matter. I mean, look for opportunities as well for, 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 that expresses eternal perspective. Circumstances, whether it's at work, at school, wherever it may be events or situations, because you see, it changes. It changes the way you talk, the way you write your email, the way you text, the way you Twitter. When you realize that the people you're communicating to with are going to spend the next quadrillion years either in heaven or hell. And so the third practical application is we need to talk about hell. We do, as we're talking here this morning, we need to talk about it. Speak about God's character with humble confidence. In other words, we must not talk about hell like we're apologizing for God. Which is how many Christians talk about hell. It's almost like we're ashamed of it. We're ashamed of of what it is. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. Because see, church, everything about God and all he does is perfect. He does. And so speak with humble confidence about the character of God, not with arrogance, but with humility. And also we need to speak about God's judgment in hell with healthy fear. Don't speak lightly about hell. And many times we use the word hell in our conversations. We attach it to something. It could be a descriptive thing to something. or But we need to take that. And make sure that when that comes up, use that as an opportunity. Use that as an opportunity to to say, hey, I know what that word. I know that it's real. And it's a real place. But guess what? There's a way out of it. That we can be a way out of it because you see, it's not the end of it. Because you see, we can talk about heaven. That's an opportunity to bring in heaven, don't we? Where heaven is a place where there is hope hope and joy where heaven is should be spoken with eagerness and anticipation and excitement you've just heard what heaven is have you how exciting it is to be there even though when things are falling apart in your life things our money our finances our economy our relationships our health is falling apart but you can also say to them guess what isn't it good to know that that the, this world is not the end of it, there's so much more beyond this, isn't it? As soon as you say that, they're going to like, really? Tell me more about it. We prayed that that would be the case, wouldn't it? Church, I would like to end with this illustration. Many of you were given a piece of rope that looks like this. I'd like you to take it out, please. I'd like you to take it out and hold out it into your hand and just look at it. Because you see, I have a rope myself here. I have a rope that I want you to think of it as being a timeline of our existence, a timeline of your existence. And you know what? At the end of this rope is this orange 
lined up just pretty much up to here. And this rope and this orange part really represents the time that we have on earth. This is your life on earth. This is my life on earth. And the question is, how are you spending your time on earth? Is it, I've got so much to do and I need to get everything done. But are they eternal? Because see, the way you spend your life on earth today is going to affect the way your life is going to be spent through eternity. And this rope can go on and on and on and on. And that's what eternity is for us, church. So what you do in this orange part of your life is going to take effect. So my question is, I'm not going to assume that everyone in this room know where you're going to be. Is it going to be heaven or hell? But I'm not going to assume, but I want to make sure that before you leave these doors today that you are so certain of where you're going to be. Because you see, church, I know you've heard about hell and heaven today. It was a, the bad and the good, but it's the reality is how were you going to spend? I love living on earth right now, but that's it. It's going to end one day. But you're going to have to think of what eternity is going to be for you. And secondly, do you, when you want to go to heaven, don't you want to take people along with you? Remember that reunion, not just with Jesus, with God, but you want to have your families, your friends, your co-workers to be with you. And for parents in the room, I pray that you are sharing the gospel with your children. They are your loved one, and you want to be able to have a reunion in heaven when the time comes. So church, basically, what are you doing? Are you applying the threads in this orange years, that lifetime that God has given you? So the question is, and I'm going to call on the, the worship team to come up, is this. To make a choice this morning. Make a choice for yourself. Make a choice for, for, to, to pray for someone and to ask God to say, I have this, this a brother or a sister or a cousin who really needs to, to be in heaven with me. I don't want to go there without them. Ask God this morning to equip you, to strengthen you, to be able to enjoy life. Because you see, when that's done, we get to enjoy eternity in heaven that's what I hope to be for all of us, to be in heaven with Jesus. And let's have a reunion, a Croc Center reunion in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Together. So church, as the worship team sings, the light is going to go dim, and we've got friends that will be on the side, and the place of prayer is here. Make it right with God today for yourself and for those that you have a heart for Christ, that you want to start praying and start that process, asking God to soften their heart so you can go in there and weave eternal destiny for their lives. Come and respond to what God is speaking to you this morning. With your eyes closed and your head bowed with the light still dim, I'd like to pray for you. And I know that I've asked to raise your hand, but this morning I'd like you to stand. Stand so that I know that I want to especially pray for you for whatever that you're going through or how this, this, the word of God has, has spoken to you this morning. Maybe an eye-opening, an awakening to what life needs to be. So church, we're here for you. 
That's why we're here. That's what the church is for, to help and build each other up. And if you're visiting, we, you are part of God's family here at the Croc Center. So I would like to offer a prayer for you. Stand where you're at. Amen. Whatever it may be, God knows what you're going through. Stand where you are. No one looking around, certainly. I ask that, please. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spirit and just reaching out to the Lord this morning. Father God, we thank you. We want to turn our eyes to you, Jesus, and look at you in the face and say, thank you for sending God was sending your son to die for each and every one of us. How we long, Lord. We're here for such a time as this. And Lord, you're our final destination is to be with you. So Father, help us. Help us to do what is needed to respond to you and trusting in you daily. And Father, there may be some of us here in this room that longs for those loved ones who don't know you. And we have them, Lord. So we ask for your equipping of the Holy Spirit and guidance. Father, for those who are standing right now, wherever they are in their seats, I pray that you will just pour your Holy Spirit upon them right now and meet their need, whatever it may be. You're our God, you're our Lord, you're our Savior, the King of kings, and we thank you and we praise you today. Help us go with an urgency for eternity, of being with you in heaven. We love you, Jesus, and thank you, thank you, thank you. We ask this now, Lord, and everyone says amen, amen. Thank you, everyone. You may be seated.